Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Carol Zernial, is on special assignment today. So uh, it's me and our guest who is joining us now on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline. Raina Nisus is a certified coach. She's an author. She's a speaker and the author of No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season. And we're delighted to have her with us. It's uh, certainly true that she has experience as a caregiver. She lost both of her parents to Alzheimer's disease 20 years apart after her season of caring for her dad through the journey, she founded a season of caring coaching where she offers encouragement, support, and resources aimed at preventing family caregivers from aimlessly wandering through this important season of life. And many of them indeed do wander in between burnout and a whole lot more. She lives on a farm in Southeast Kansas with her husband, Ron, and a small pack of dogs. She's the baby of her family, most would never guess that. She's a former teacher, enjoys crafts of all kinds, and spending time with the grandkids most of all. And Raina, thank you so much for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. Thank you, Ron. I'm excited to be here. Tell us about the pack of dogs. So we have an outside dog that is part Chow and part German Shepherd. <clears throat> we have two inside dogs that are Boston Terrier and a Pug. So they're a lot of fun. And a pug snores all night. I don't know how you get any sleep. Between her and the Boston, they kind of have competition to see who can be the loudest. <laughs> oh, I, I certainly would agree with that. Now, you have had experience as a caregiver, uh, something few people would choose, but there you were. Tell us about that journey, how it began, and, and what it was like for you. So I've had a couple of different roles. And the first role was caring for my mom. And I was not the primary caregiver at that point because I was actually only 16 years old when she was diagnosed. And she had a 12-year journey with the disease, which my dad kept her at home the full 12 years and brought in some help here and there. But um, I was just kind of his support and stepping in to do what he would let me do, take over a little bit here or there for some respite time. But it was a totally different ball game when my dad was diagnosed. So seven years after my mom passed away, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he lived 14 years with the disease. Part of that time, he was at home with his, his sister and they did really well for a period of time. And then dad was, um, had a bout of melanoma and that surgery to remove the cancer really set him back and his ability to care for his personal needs. So we reached a point where we had to get different caregiving and we were looking at options with that. I have one sister. So she and I kind of did the regular thing, checking out the memory care units the thing was, though my dad was 81 years old, he was still playing volleyball three times a week, and he was going to the gym three times a week. He was very physically active. He wasn't driving himself, and he needed help with cooking and things like that, but he was very physically able to do things. So I just didn't see him being a good fit for a dementia care unit. And so I approached my sister and said, hey, can we can we look at keeping him at home? And so though I was on the farm 220 miles from dad's house, I became one of the hands-on caregivers. And so for four and a half years, we were able to keep him at home all the way until the end of his life. 
through bringing in paid caregivers, day stay programs, and my sister and I and my aunt. And what was that like for you? You know, it was challenging in so many ways, but I think watching your parents' age is challenging no matter what. But for us as a family, um, my husband and I have, um, we had a teenager at home at the time. And so, you know, it took some sacrifice on our part, but really we just did a lot of honing in on what was most important and letting go of those things that weren't. And I typically, my schedule was a Thursday afternoon. I drove up to Kansas City, stayed with dad through Sunday, and then came back and spent the rest of the time on the farm. So, you know, making that juggle wasn't an easy thing, but gosh, I wouldn't have done it any other way. The opportunities that I had to just spend time with my dad as an adult, you just don't get to do that a lot. So we had some great, great times. I have some wonderful memories. So I'm really thankful for that opportunity. Share some of those memories with us. So as I mentioned, dad was very physically active and he loved to go and do. So one of the typical things, I was one of the people that took him to the gym. So we'd lift weights together and walk together. But as he aged and as the heat of the summer came along, it was really difficult because he wanted to be outside and doing things. I kept thinking, what can we do inside? (laughs) And so I picked up just a um, cheap ping pong net that hooked onto your kitchen table with a couple of ping pong rackets. And I remembered when I was little that we would play together. And I thought, I wonder if he will like this. And oh my gosh, he had so much. Fun. We played for three hours the first day I got the ping pong table out. And we just laughed and just had so much fun. Dad obviously was extremely competitive and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So we had <laughs> such a great time. And within just a couple of months, my husband and I found a used ping pong table on Craigslist and moved it into the formal family room moved all the furniture out. And for years, a couple of years, we played ping pong together, even as other things diminished his ability to, you know, have complete sentences and things like that, that ping pong ball would come out. And I mean, he was so honored. One time he served three balls at me all at the same time. We just had such a great time. So that's one of my favorite memories. And even with Alzheimer's, his eye-hand coordination was there. It was. And that is very different. It's one of the things that's so challenging with Alzheimer's is that it does affect the brain so differently. Each person, what area is affected is individual. So my mom, you know, her development, she would never have been able to do that. One of the first things that went for her was her um, visual perception. So she would bump into doorways. She was very cautious of walking at all because she was fearful. She wouldn't see a step and she would fall. So it was very different. The the progression of the disease in my dad and my mom. But my dad, definitely, he he was very good at ping pong for all the way to the end. And, and in your book, No Regrets, Hope for the Caregiving Season, what is it you talk about? So the first 10 chapters is a lot of those things that you just need to know you don't even know you need to know. So medication management, building a team of getting people around you to support you in this caregiving season, talking with doctors, keeping the family intact, just negotiating those things together. So a lot of those types of things, the last six chapters are really how to do it with intention, how to have a life that you love, even while you're caring. Now, we're going to come right back to you, but I want to let folks know who may have just joined us, who you're listening to and what we're talking about. I'm Ron Aaron. I'm the host of Caregiver SOS on air, Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today. We're talking with Raina Nieses, who is an author, a speaker, a certified coach, cared for her mom and then for her dad, both of whom had Alzheimer's disease. She's the author of No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season. And we're talking about 
her book. Let's go back to the first few chapters before we jump to the last six. Uh, and uh, you talk about talking to your doctor. That, that's always a challenge. It is. And I think one of the things that's important is being prepared. The doctor's on such a quick schedule today that making sure you have all the concerns that you want to discuss on paper before you go in the door. And I think as a caregiver who is a daughter, it was even more important to remain, to give my dad the dignity that we could. And so to try to have as many of those communications that might've been uncomfortable for him outside Um, whether it be through a letter or, you know, preparing the doctor for our communications as we came in. So tracking things, I think, is really important. And you want to be sure the uh, PCP is comfortable dealing with the caregiver. Not all of them are. That's very true. And we did end up changing doctors who were not open to really listening because my dad was such a charismatic personality. He could kind of carry on a, a surface level conversation and the doctors didn't really understand how bad his disease progression was at times. Well, lots of folks are on their best behavior when they go to the doctor. Yes. Yes. And so you tried to make clear that what you're seeing is not how he is. Right. With at the same time, you know, not making him uncomfortable. And so really trying to make sure the doctor understood, especially because the doctor would ask questions. And if we jumped in to answer, then oftentimes they would be like, why are you talking for him? You know, I mean, it could get really uncomfortable. So just allowing him to kind of, we didn't want dad to feel put on the spot either. So that was a difficult negotiation. But I think the key is finding the right doctors to be on your team because the right doctor can make all the difference. And then you talk about medications. can be so tricky. There are so many different medications. The doctor has such a short window of time that sometimes we found they might be trying to increase a med that we had already tried that and had a negative reaction to. So we developed a very extensive med list with not only what we were taking, but who prescribed it, when they prescribed it, and any side effects that we found with that medication. So we could give that feedback to the doctor right then. Also making sure that we were tracking those things because you think you will remember, but there is so much to remember you won't. And so really making sure you have all of that information there. Also with some people, they don't want to take pills. And so some of the tricks that we used in trying to, you know, successfully get the medication down for my dad, applesauce, those types of things, um, definitely were just little trips we want to pass along to others like trying to get my dog pills when thunderstorms are coming. We have yes. tranquilizers for Lucy and I stick it into a hot dog uh, and give her a chunk of hot dog. And for the most part, it gets down or sometimes you see her little tongue working that pill out. Yes. Sometimes they can sniff it out and they just don't want to help. <laughs> so it can well, be What tricky. are some of, the other, some of the other areas in your first few chapters uh, that, that I'd like to go over with you? Sure. Managing help. I think it is so important that we find help but I also think it's really important we find the right help. And for us as a family, we hired outside caregivers from you know, organizations and we would interview with the owner or the manager of the office. But it was so important for us to be able to say, hey, it's not okay to just send anybody to our house. Our dad needs to be comfortable with that person. They need to learn and understand our routines. And so I have a whole chapter where we talk about how we laid out checklists and just communication tools that because there were so many of us helping my dad live in his home and he was the only one in the home, we had to have great communication. And part of that was bringing the care team in and saying, hey, you know, my dad was an accountant. He's a very regimented routine person. 
And we need you to do the same thing. We need you to help him do what he would do for himself if he could. And so our goal was always to have them looking from his perspective. We're going to come right back to you. I appreciate you being here. We're talking with Raina Nysis, and we're talking about her book as a way to help those of you who are with us who are caregivers now or maybe will become a caregiver because the odds are that will happen to each and every one of us at some point. I'm Ron Aaron, our co-host Carol Zerniel on special assignment today. Thank you for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. Thank you so much for staying with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. We're talking with Raina Nysis, or Nisa, sorry, certified coach, author, and speaker. And her book is No Regrets, Hope for Your Caregiving Season. And we've been talking about her season of caring for her folks and about her book as well. Uh, you're talking about bringing help into the home. And I think it's really important. Uh, there's no cookie cutter approach that what may work in someone else's home who may have the same disease, won't work in other homes. Definitely. It is such an individual thing. And and as I said earlier, it's an individual thing by the person that you're caring for. My mom was a homebody. She was very easygoing. Her days consisted of listening to music, going for a walk, hanging out with the dog, those types of things. My dad, on the other hand, was a very, he was a people person. He was very physically active. So what we ask of our caregivers was, take dad to the gym, go out and do those active things with him. Let him, you know, use the rake and rake the leaves in the yard, you know, let him be active, keep him busy. And so what we asked of them was very different. You didn't want them to plug him in front of a, a TV and just leave him there. He was not engaged with the television at all. And so anytime I saw the TV on and there was a caregiver in it there, I knew unless it was a baseball game, it was on for the caregiver, not for my dad. As you think about uh, your other recommendations in the book, share some more with us. So that communication is one that we really felt was important. And so we developed forms that literally gave us all of the information. You know, what did he eat for breakfast? How much did he eat for breakfast? How much of your med- of the medicine did you get down him? Because some days he would spit it back out. And so we needed to know long-term what those kind of things were happening. It gave us a big picture to be able to communicate that with the doctors, but it also helped us to have the morning caregiver communicate with family, communicate with the afternoon caregiver. We also had him at a day stay for memory care um, patients. And so we wanted to have just great communication all the way across the board. So I think that is a really important piece. I also think it's important that as a family caregiver, when you're employing someone else, it's just the reality is they're working for you. And so they might feel like family. We want them to love him like family, but it is a paycheck. And so remembering to keep that relationship on a professional level as well. What happens when you don't do that? You end up getting taken advantage of. 
<laughs> I think all of us do what's expected to the level that it's expected. So when you let little things slip, you end up getting a situation that's just not a good situation. And, you know, frankly, we fired four different companies within our period of time of caring for my dad because we just couldn't get the support that we needed. And I think you have to realize that it is something that you are paying for a service and you need to be able to ask for what you need. You need to be clear about what that is. And if the expectation can't be met, then you need to move on and find someone who will. I think that's important for folks listening to understand you can indeed fire the people you don't think are doing the job. That's right. I was there because I traveled from the farm to my dad's home, that 220 miles. I was there 24 seven when I was there, but I would bring caregivers in in the morning to wake him up and shower and get breakfast started so that if I'd had a rough night, I could get a little bit more sleep. And one morning I woke up to a caregiver who was yelling at my dad and I listened for a few minutes and I just, I couldn't stand it any longer. I went in and I just said, you know, it sounds like you need a timeout. Can you just step out in the kitchen and take care of breakfast and dad and I will be out when he's done. And so he, my dad was pretty upset. So I just tried to calm him down and we finished the routine and we walked out to the breakfast and he seemed to interact okay with her after that point. And I went ahead and let her finish her shift. But at the end of the shift, I asked her, what do you think went wrong this morning that caused you to get so frustrated? And she said, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I said, well, you were yelling at my dad. She said, I was not yelling. I said, well, I guess if you don't feel that you were yelling and you feel like what you were, how you were interacting with him was a behavior that was appropriate, then you don't need to be here. So we don't need you to come back. I just think you have to have expectations. And as long as you communicate them clearly, I think there's not, you know, you can have a good working relationship. We had a lot of people we really enjoyed working with, but we definitely got rid of the ones that weren't a good fit. That had to make you wonder how she acted with him when no one was there. Exactly. And that's what's one thing that's so difficult as a family caregiver when you're trusting your loved one with someone else and you're not there. Yes, you have to have real confidence in the people. And that's part of why we had an issue with any company sending somebody we had never met before. It just wasn't an option for us. And the odds are he wouldn't necessarily tell you what had happened. Nope. He wouldn't have had the words to really tell you. He probably would have just been really grumpy. And if we'd seen that pattern too, we would have investigated. But, you know, no one wants to be talked to that way, no matter if they have the ability to communicate back or not. I mean, no matter where they are in the progression of their disease, they know when someone's being disrespectful. Now, you mentioned shower. We haven't talked about uh, toileting and bathing, which can be a real challenge with someone uh, with Alzheimer's disease. It is. And... One of the things that I said to my sister as we started this journey together is I said, you know, I bathed and and took my mom to the restroom for years. I'm probably eight years of her progression of her disease. And it was just something I think at such a young age, I just stepped in and did it. It needed to be done. And, and we definitely helped. But I said, I don't know that I can do that with dad. I mean, I was an adult, had an adult relationship with my dad not to mention he was my dad. And I thought, gosh, I don't know if I can do that. So it wasn't something that I wanted to do regularly, but it was definitely something that when I saw the need, I just stepped in and did it for him, helped him with it. But I'll tell you some of the most difficult times for us was trying to get ready to go to bed at night and just getting undressed and trying to get those jammies on and put the nighttime brief on that would help with the incontinence, all of those important pieces that need to be in place before I got him to bed. We had usually out of the three nights, we had one night that was tough. And I just share this story because I think it it made such a huge difference for me. 
I had was just battling with him to get him to bed. And I came home one weekend and I was just expressing the, the sadness and frustration. Dad had cussed at me and hit me. He was just really off at that time. And I expressed that concern with my husband. And he said, well, what would happen if you just gave him a hug and told him that you loved him? And I kind of just laughed him off and said, whatever, he'd hit me and that wouldn't work. There's no way that would work. So the next weekend I'm standing in the doorway, talking to him, trying to talk him into getting his clothes off and he's getting more agitated with me. And I thought, well, what do I have to lose? So, I mean, dad was irritated, but I walked up to him and I just wrapped my arms around him and I, I just held on and he was real stiff. You know, those fists were up at his chest and he just was real stiff, not receiving that. And I just continued to say, dad, I love you. I'm here to help you. It's okay. Everything's okay. And I would, just pat him on the back and just held him and just kept telling him, I love you. You're okay. And eventually he relaxed into my hug and returned that hug. And I finally stepped back and he looked me in the eye and he said, what do you need me to do? And I said, dad, I just need you to take off your pants. Such a funny thing to say. It's such a touching right. moment, but he did. And it was like coming to him with compassion and love instead of the to-do list of things I needed him to do right then totally changed the way that we interacted. And anytime I saw his frustration rising, I would step in and pat his shoulder or touch him and just say, daddy, I love you. You're safe. I'm here to help. And it really did change how those types of tasks took place in our relationship. That was million dollar advice from your husband. It was. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And in that moment, uh, when, when you said he hit you, you understood it wasn't him really hitting you. Yeah, you know, it was more of just kind of a knocking you away. You're irritating me. I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to make you leave me alone. So it was yeah, a disease. It exactly. It was his. Uh, it was his frustration and lack of understanding of what was happening. What was your feeling at that moment as you look back? When he hit me. Yes. Or when I loved him. When Not he both. hit me, it was yeah. <laughs> When he hit me and when he would cuss, my dad didn't cuss around us girls. So that was hard, just hearing him you know, be different than what we had always known him. And the hitting was definitely hard, but I knew that it was just him trying to make us back off. So I knew that I pushed too hard and I needed to step back. I just, it's hard to do in the moment. Their frustration, you have a tendency to match their frustration. You want your calm to be something they match instead. And so it really did help to come about it with through love. We've got a couple minutes left, and before we go, I'm really interested in uh, your description of caregiving as a season of caring. Yeah, I love that too because I think it's important in our caregiving seasons, we don't know how long they're going to last, and we don't know. Sometimes we lose perspective that it is only for a season, and these things are hard. There is no doubt about it. It is hard to be a caregiver, but it will not be your life forever there will be a life after. And I think sometimes being encouraged to realize that this is just a season that you're stepping into and you're giving your best and you're doing what you can. And there'll be a season after there'll be a season without them. And I just want you to be able to look back and not have regrets about the season that you had the opportunity to serve them in this way. Now, for those who are interested in, in your book, how do they get a hold of it? My book is available at any major retailer. Um, you can also visit my website at noregrets-book.com. I have a few extra bonuses there available, our medication charts, some of our scheduling charts and things like that. And you can learn more about the book at that place as well. Now, the last six chapters uh, we didn't get to, but give us a synopsis. Really, it's the tools that I used to stay healthy. It is tough 
to maintain your life and serve and love someone else by being their caregiver. And having that juggle can be one of the most difficult things. So I just share the things that I use that help me to be intentional in my season. And as I say, to be able to walk my dad all the way home and still have a life that I love. What were some of the things you did? So I wrote a personal manifesto. That was one of the things that was really most important to me is that I wrote down what was most important of who I am and what I love and what's important to me. And that allowed me to make decisions, what I needed to let go of in that season and what I needed to keep as priority in that season. Now, you said you live on a farm. Is that a working farm? Yes. My husband farms 3,000 acres and we do pretty much all wheat, soybeans, alfalfa, corn. So So he's like a real farmer. Real farmer. Yep. I like that. (laughs) And do you raise any... uh, uh, stock any cows or we don't have livestock right now we typically will have cows just for our family's eating purposes but um my husband used to raise hogs he hasn't done that for years now so so when you have a a cow that you're raising for eating you don't have the kids name him no he actually lives down the road so i don't have to look him in the face every day (laughs) (laughs) i like that well i want to thank you so much for coming on and again uh, the book is no regrets hope for your caregiving season available on Amazon and uh, everywhere else. And thank you so much. It's been great. And we really appreciate you being here. Uh, Raina Nysis, thank you. Thank you. And we thank all of you for listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron for Carol Zorniel, our co-host, who is on special assignment today. Thanks for being here. And we will talk with you soon on Caregiver SOS on air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.